You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast, episode number 48, March 29th, 2022. Off-premise strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant technology? drive through or curbside, mobile apps or AI. It's all on the menu, cooking up for the day. It's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with a tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the tech chef. Well, welcome back to the tech chef. This is your host, Skip Kimple. Remember me? Well, I am back. And I'm so thankful for all of you listening to the show and being loyal to the tech chef. Since the last time we spoke, I've been a busy guy. I've changed positions recently and am privileged to be the principal of independent and SMB consulting for Constrata. For most of you, Constrata Consulting is a household name. I personally am responsible for heading up a new division of the company and the business development for the SMB marketplace. I am super stoked at this opportunity. I am going to get back to a weekly schedule so you can once again stay on top of all the amazing technology advancements in the restaurant and hospitality industry that you always counted on this show to provide you. We have a few changes in the show format, but I promise to keep it engaging, informative, and continue to bring the high-quality content and guests that you expect out of this show. As we discuss our topics, I will continue to reach out to operators, industry experts, and thought leaders to ensure you walk away weekly with actionable information. Today, consultant Toby Malbach and I will be doing a recap of Murtech 2022, which was held at the Paris Hotel in Las Vegas just a couple of weeks ago. Normally, I would have released this show much sooner, but I recently moved back down to South Florida, so it took a little while to get the studio set up again and in functional order to bring you a quality show. So many great things came out of Murtech, as we will talk about, and I just want to say, it was great to see all of you in person and all the great new friends and connections I made. Joining me now is Toby Malbach. Toby is the Managing Director and Principal of the Mid-Tier and Enterprise Consulting Division at Constrata, and he's a two-time guest. Toby, you've uh, this. This is a record here. I've never had anybody twice on the show. Yep, thanks. I appreciate it. And, and personally, welcome on board. Uh, we really appreciate you joining the team. Uh, I think uh, your addition to Constrata will be just hugely beneficial to the organization and the industry as a whole. So, welcome aboard. Well, thank you very much. You know, one of the reasons why I joined Constrata is the you know just its reputation in the industry and and um, you know the respect that other organizations have for Constrata. You've been with the company for a while. What makes Constrata different? It, it's a, it is an interesting animal because we we really find ourselves buffered on either side by you know some some major uh, accounting or not accounting consulting firms that are typically generalists you know that uh, get brought in with major projects but don't really understand the restaurant space and we are restaurant operators uh, at the core um, or the folks that are kind of on the, the lower end the smaller guys that just don't have the the breadth of resources that we do so we kind of fill the middle space um, of of technology and operational experience within the restaurant hotel industry 
the other thing that's important is we don't align ourselves with any particular vendors or products or solutions. And so by being friends to nobody, we're kind of friends to everybody. And the supplier community looks at us as a source of not only information, but of opportunity. So um, operators feel comfortable that when they engage our group, what they're getting is uh, agnostic, objective opinion, data, research, uh, founded on, on fact. And they're getting people that understand their business and can work with them and uh, really see the project through to completion. So uh, it, we are an interesting breed. Well, today's show is not a pitch for Constrata. That was not my intention for this audience. Um, please bear with us. I just want you to have a good idea out there of, of what Constrata does and kind of the new role I've taken going from the operator side and the consulting side. It's pretty exciting from my perspective. Uh, today's show is really about a recap of Mertech 2022, the conference that just happened in Las Vegas. Once again, we are at the Paris Hotel, and it was a fantastic event. I know you and I have talked about it, but what were your overall impressions of Mertech this year? Well, first of all, kudos to HT. Um, they've been very brave in terms of getting back out there. Um, the industry as a whole uh, survives and thrives when people get back together. You know, Zoom is fine and Teams is fine and all of these collaborative devices that we've all had to try to do to try to get through COVID and the associated hardships of travel and, and just supply chain and everything else. So um, really high marks for HT for, for really putting the, uh, a stake in the ground and getting us back together. And the industry really, I think, responded very well. Uh, you and I talked about this before. I'm not sure that attendance was as high as we would have liked, but the quality was top notch. The, the people that were there were engaged. They were excited. Um, it was like cabin fever. It was like people reemerging from a cold winter. And so I, I thought that the, the supplier community was jazzed. I thought that the attendees were jazzed. Uh, I thought the content was excellent. Uh, there were some great speakers. Um, I'm sure you'll get into some of that. Um, but overall, uh, given where we've been over the last year and a half, two years, uh, this was this was really a good coming out party. Well, and it's interesting because it was this conference two years ago where, you know, all hell broke loose and we we ended up in a scenario that nobody ever imagined we'd be in. Uh, you know, this is the first big conference uh, of the year for the restaurant industry, which is pretty exciting. Uh, it was great to see everybody back in action. And like you said, there was that special buzz in the air, not like walking the streets of Las Vegas where that phrase has a whole different meaning, but it was very energetic. Uh, vendors were, I noticed, were really excited to show off their new advancements uh, over the past couple of years that they've been working on, which I had to go back and really review some of these vendors and their offerings because what I knew the product to be two, two and a half years ago, man, some of these products have completely changed, which is pretty cool to see that they utilize their time in a way to um, uh, increase their product and, and really uh, hear what the consumers are looking for, what their operators are looking for and build those functions and features into their software. Um, yeah, it's interesting because the industry really went into a very reactive mode and for all the right reasons during COVID. I mean, the, the industry started to look at how can I help an operator get through this, this crisis? Because we didn't know how long COVID was going to be with us and what the overall impact was going to be. So the, the supplier community did a, a really excellent job of kind of pivoting and, and moving towards whether it's delivery technologies or pickup technologies or geo geolocation services, app services, uh, all of those types of things, and really worked you know heads down on that stuff and what was interesting for me to see uh coming out of mertech is that that 
that was a that was a reaction to a crisis. And I was really curious to see how many vendors are now starting to get back to their strategic roadmap as opposed to still being reactive. Now, unfortunately, and we'll talk about this a lot over the weeks, I'm sure, Skip, but you know, the restaurant industry is overly reactive. I'd like to see it be more strategic, but the reality is it's reactive. So there are still operators out there that are, are chasing the COVID technology narrative. And I think that we need to move past the, the COVID technology narrative and start to look back at some of the things that were important. And I'm thinking about things like AI. I'm thinking about things like, uh, you know, demographic information and marketing information and, and, and you know, some degree of recognition of a client or a customer and, and get off of, uh, of some of these COVID initiatives, which, while may still be important, are not necessarily the most strategic things going forward. I, I'd be curious your perspective of that. Well, I agree. Um, but, you know, a lot of the features that were built, I think, were very customer-centric. And COVID has definitely put some new habits into our consumers and our customers where they're expecting things when they want it and be able to pay the way they want to be able to pay. And yes, we need to get past this whole COVID mindset, but I think what was built out is a very good foundation for customer service and being able to uh, facilitate the guest needs more and more. Um, There was a great expansion. And also during that time period, the adoption for the consumer was accelerated as well. I mean, think about it. Uh, two and a half years ago, three years ago, um, trying to get people to use a QR code, for instance, to download a menu operations would have would be very hesitant to even attempt that or very slowly roll it out. COVID, man, all, all in. You know, there's a lot of very rapid adoption by by consumers. We were talking earlier about some of the sessions and the speakers that that maybe caught your attention. And kudos, once again, like you said, uh, to Mertech, HT, and of course the RTN for putting the quality of show that they did uh, together. And I got to tell you, I'll I'll tell you my favorite session was the consultants panel, which was very interesting. It was yourself, uh, Fred LeFranc, there are Tammy DePlantis, and... Joe Tenzar. So there was some some great chemistry and some interesting interactions up there on the stage. What was your takeaway from doing that session? I think it's important that people recognize that that consultant the the word consultant has some very uh, some has some has negative connotations. And I think Fred even said this, you know, during the during his opening comment that people believe that consultants don't necessarily add value. I, I had an old boss who used to say a consultant is somebody who borrows your watch and then tells you what time it is, and and I think at times that, that it kind of falls into that trap. But um, the people that were on that panel, and again, thanks to HD for allowing us to do it, were people who have incredible tenure in this industry and understand and have been down the road. And, you know, they've seen the movie and they know how it ends and they can kind of share some of that insight. And so even if it's just somebody to bounce ideas off of, it's um, and hopefully we, we can provide that level of, of guidance and course correction. And, you know, the way I look at the work that we do is is often we, we create a defensible strategy for the CIO or the CEO or the CFO. Um, to give them the industry understandings of what's going on so they don't feel like they're going it alone. And, you know, the industry right now is is going in so many different directions. Uh, wouldn't you want somebody in the co-pilot seat, you know, helping you navigate those waters? So um, that's kind of the way I look at it. 
The other interesting thing, you know, when you talk about favorite sessions, I enjoyed a couple of them, but I do like the fact that HT is always brave enough to bring on emerging technologies. And we know that many of them, especially with the risk averse nature of the restaurant industry, aren't always going to see the light of day. But the fact that they'll bring up things like uh, robotics or drone delivery or things like that, while I think we, uh, over the course of the next several months, we'll talk about all these technologies. I love the fact that they give them they give them air and they give them a space to, to talk about that stuff. Um, I, I'm curious at your thoughts of, of some of the other sessions. Well, I got it. Be honest with you, over the past couple of years, my favorite part of Mertech has been the startup alley. And I had spent a lot of time walking up and down. I don't know how much time you spent with those with those um, vendors, but talk about emerging technology. These are people that are really thinking out of the box. They've come up with solutions, sometimes micro solutions that the industry has been you know, fighting with for quite some time. And I have a feeling a few of those companies are going to get gobbled up uh, pretty quickly. Uh, but for instance, PathSpot back in March of 2020, they're now a major contender in the marketplace. Talk about, you know, being at the right place at the right time. I mean, right before, right before the pandemic hit, they, they launched their product and really be, and they had launched the product before, but became more popular at that point. Uh, the winner this year of, of the, uh, startup alley was HelloMeter. I don't know if you had time to spend, uh, looking at their product, but they make quick serve. Uh, quicker with video analytics from both counter service to drive through. Um, they've got timers for all aspects of these areas, helping create some very valuable KPIs. I know a lot of restaurants during COVID that launched drive throughs, but didn't know how to implement proper KPIs and measure all the analytics that makes a drive through business successful. So that was a very interesting company. A um, couple other companies that caught my attention, Grip Places, which is another video-based company, and Curbit. Now, Curbit, once I heard what they did, I applauded the guy because he he's completed and he's done exactly what I've been asking all online ordering companies to be able to do since I first started in this business. And that's it's basically a throttling technology to look into the KDS system to see how many tickets are in the system and gauge proper quote times for online ordering. And like I said, I've been asking for this years, for years and talking to them, his average customer before he implements his software is about a 10 minute miscalculation in the quote time. With his software, they're averaging about 80 seconds of accuracy within the quote time for the order, which is pretty darn impressive. And it helps improve the takeout and the delivery experience, ultimately affecting guest sentiment. So I think some of these companies, uh, I can't wait to see where they go, but there's some very, very cool stuff out there. And it's fascinating how many of these 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 uh, startup uh, alley vendors fill these, they're almost like a spackle vendor. They fill in the gaps between the functional functionality that exists in some of the more legacy applications, whether it's POS or back office or KDS. And you're right, I think, I think some of these technologies will probably, because I, I don't want to call them one-trick ponies, but they they serve a specific purpose and they've, they've, they're very targeted. They're very, um, very surgical in terms of what they're there to do. So so Kerbit's a good example. Hello Meter is a great example. I think drive-through is such an under-leveraged um, medium within the restaurant industry, and, we, and people use it, but not very effectively. Um, and and with COVID, even especially because all of a sudden restaurants that would have never even contemplated drive-through were forced into some form of mobile pickup technology, whether that's at the curb, whether that's a drive-up. 
um, and, and are now looking at how to leverage that. So these these are features that you would expect, maybe expect is too strong a word, but uh, hope to find in your traditional POS or KDS, which hasn't been there before. So I wonder how much of this is a call to action for the POS and KDS vendors to say, hey, we need to we need to broaden our what we perceive to be core functionality in, in KDS. And so uh, hats off to these organizations. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, which is interesting, is um, at least one organization on Startup Alley, a company called Cogswell, is actually like a second or third generation um, thought leadership group that have were involved with early back office solutions and just lessons learned uh, about how to develop the technology, lessons learned about who the operator is and how much time they have, have taken a look at inventory in a very different way and said, you know, this is the way we developed it years ago, but the world has changed. Technology has changed. The operator has changed. The amount of time that an operator has to do things has changed. And the employee has changed. So how do we come up with a different way of doing something that is as uninteresting, if you can say, as inventory? So it's not only these surgical kind of approaches, but a new way of looking at an old idea. And kudos to the judges of the Startup Alley for choosing one of those um, vendors as being the winner. Of, you had For judges, you had Phil Crawford, Astrid Isaacs, and Tom Seeker. So um, three great industry professionals really making sure that they brought to light the uh, the top contender. But I think everybody was a winner. Uh, everybody got FaceTime with all the operators, which is great. You know, walk, walking around the conference, there was a lot of buzz. You know, there was a lot of conversations happening. Everybody was very talkative, which was kind of cool to see. Um, time and time again, all I heard was concerns over labor cost, supply chain. And believe it or not, there are a lot of people there looking for new POS. And I, I, said, I was sitting back a little bit going, Gosh, you know, during COVID would have been a great time in order to implement a, a POS system when you had some downtime instead of, you know, it's one of the most disruptive things you can do to your organization is swapping out a POS. Uh, but what other what other um, things did you hear while you were there from other operators? Well, it was interesting because one of the things that I did hear was that, um, and again, comes back to the kind of the theme, which is that the restaurant industry it's not happy unless there's a crisis that they have to resolve. And, and that tends to bring people in. So whether it was EMV, nutritional labeling, PCI, obviously COVID, um, the industry then seems to kind of jump to action. And this was there was a kind of a pause here in terms of uh, most of the operators I talked to. And I'd say, what what is the burning issue that you're here to resolve? And they're like, you know what? Thankfully, we don't have one. So people can start to think a little bit more strategically and less, you know, tactically or reactionary. So you 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 did mention a couple of the major issues that obviously everybody's facing. The labor shortage is a challenge. Obviously, minimum wage, which we've kind of backburnered because of what happened with COVID. But you know how that's going to impact our our employees and our employee pool and the way we we schedule people. Um, supply chain is a major issue. Obviously, it's not getting any better. Uh, if anything, it may it may be with us for you know at least another twelve. 12 months, I think. So how do we respond to that and react to that? Um, and what that drives is a lot of what I'll call, um, uh, you know, uh, online changing. So how do if my prices are changing more often than not, how do I reflect those? I don't want to be printing menus all the time. So does that drive a, a digital uh, a menu board type of approach where I can make my, my menu changes quicker or I can take 86 items off easily and, and not have to worry about reprinting translites or menus? And so, again, you were talking about, you know, uh, 
your QR codes, you know, the ability for me to share that information in a near real-time basis because my industry, my, my world is changing on a pretty regular basis. And and POS, I think the reason that you're seeing people starting to gravitate towards uh, the, making POS changes is that those folks with legacy POS are now finding that it's really tough to pivot with old POS solutions. Functionally, they are deep and rich. They've been around for 20, 30 years. They are just tremendously capable. Now you start to extend outside the four walls of the point of sale system and have to integrate to video surveillance systems, reporting dashboards, um, uh, digital menu boards, KDSs, uh, and all of that. And boy, that's a that's a tif- that's a difficult ask for some of these legacy apps. Agreed. Yeah, and I think there will be more development on that. But it, like you said, the legacy systems and the apps are definitely struggling during this time period and trying to figure it out because there is so much emerging technology out there to compete against them at this point. So I think a lot of it, especially from the legacy aspect, a lot of it goes back down to how did they construct it to begin with and how flexible is their, you know, is their coding in order to be able to fit some of these new features and functionalities into it. You know, another new thing or another interesting thing I saw at the conference, especially right before Murtech and during Murtech were um, all the acquisitions that happen um, and consolidation. You know, we saw uh, same faces, but a lot of uh, people in new jobs. You know, of note is the Bbot DoorDash acquisition. And the talk of the town while I was there, because everybody knows that I've talked quite a bit about Omnivore in the past, was the acquisition of Omnivore by Olo. And I think customers are really trying to figure out, you know, how that's going to affect them. Also the vendors, you know, they're trying to figure out the landscape of what that really means for them. Now I did have a conversation with Dan Singer, who used to be the CEO over at Omnivore. And he says that for now, business is normal. I do question the future. And and I think vendors and customers need to be asking lots of questions and getting assurances from the Ola team that their situation will not drastically change because I considered Omnivore previously to be almost a competitive product to Olo would give it gave the operator some flexibility and with multiple different types of solutions. So we'll see how all that plays out. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Honestly, I haven't I haven't figured it out, but I'm not the only one because, like I said, a lot of people were talking about that. Yeah, we and we talk to our our, our clients about that all the time, and and you know there are some things that uh, there are some acquisitions or um, mergers that that are are helpful. Um, when a vendor, uh, you know, when a POS vendor buys a back office vendor and more tightly integrates the solution, but still keeps them agnostic to other options, that's kind of a win-win. Um, but some of these are a little bit troubling, uh, at least on the surface, and time will tell whether or not they really benefit the operator community or whether they're really more accretive for the for the suppliers. You know, anytime you move uh, a, a, a vendor who is uh, open in terms of ownership of your own data and they're acquired by a vendor that seems to be less apt to share that data, um, it doesn't pretend well for an operator. So you're right. We, we don't know how these are going to play out yet, but some of these solutions and technologies are very much gatekeeper type of, uh, types of solutions or uh, you know, Omnivore obviously falls into that kind of black box category where you um, could write a lot of integrations in, in, in you know, cases where the POS vendors didn't have those technologies before. You always wonder or worry a little bit when somebody buys the keys to the house and, uh, you know, and they have a, a fairly large piece of that house, if you will. So um, you're right, we, we will have to see how it plays itself out. But 
ultimately the operator should have access to their data. They they ultimately should own that customer. And and as, as I'm sure we'll talk about on, on subsequent podcasts, uh, there are a number of, of technologies and even solutions out there that um, prohibit that, that we need to kind of push back a little bit as an industry against. While you're walking the showroom floor, were there any trending technologies that you felt like they're they're starting to really take off. Maybe you hadn't seen so much emphasis on it in the past. I tell you the one that I I, I continue to want to see be successful, and that's just AI. And and you know AI is obviously a very broad topic, but but just the idea of providing uh, an operator not only the business intelligence to make decisions, but actually pushing forward to to suggest some of those. So that you know I think we're starting to see a move from pred- predictive analytics to prescriptive analytics. So just you know a quick quick analogy there. Predictive says if it's if it's raining outside, you'll probably get wet and then prescriptive says since it's raining outside you'll probably get wet i suggest you buy an umbrella so it takes you that last mile and the industry for years has have been data hogs we've been collecting data everywhere we have data marts and data lakes and you know all kinds of folks have been storing data and quite candidly the industry as a whole has done a pretty poor job of really using it for anything so i'm starting to see uh, and I'm starting to feel comfortable that folks have, have got the predictive down cold and we're starting to see some some, you know, some toes in the water about some of this prescriptive stuff. And, you know, it, there couldn't be a better time now, given all of the other business pressures on the industry to see people step up and, and really be able to deliver this value. The next trick is whether or not the industry as a whole will accept it. We, we live in a very tribal world where restaurateurs believe that they know better than, you know, than the data will, will tell them. So we need to have kind of a cultural shift within our worlds to say, you know what, data does help us make decisions. And in some cases, data should, um, should drive our, our, our behavior, not the other way around. So let me ask you this. What technology do you wish existed that does not today? Well, I, I think that that the the entire kind of um, integrated world that we need to get at, we, we, we talk about this every year. I mean, why, why can't we have an integrated world where all of these solutions all work together? I mean, you look at the camera industry. I go buy a camera and I buy a lens and it works. I don't have to I don't have to be the systems integrator to figure it all out. There are some wonderful technologies out there, but but you as an operator are forced into being the system integrator to more to more often than not. So that's why I applaud standard organizations like what RTN's trying to do, uh, what other organizations in the retail industry have done. You know, arts is is light years ahead of where we are, um, but RTN is trying to get us there. So literally, you can mix and match. Um, but there shouldn't be any reason why there's a single point of truth where I know what products I sell and what I sell them for. And once I establish that, it, it just populates throughout my entire enterprise. And, you know, during COVID, the, the Vogue term became omnichannel. Well, you know, omnichannels existed in retail for 10 or 15 years. The grocery industry gets it. The retail industry gets it. We need to get there because the longer it takes us to do that, the more points of failure we have, the more um, conflict we have with our technologies. So I, I want to see that that you know that house on the hill kind of this this integrated solution where it doesn't matter whose kitchen display system I use I choose one based on certain functionality I'm I've got a modern point of sale solution and and, and I'm not forced as the operator with limited resources and skill sets within my group to be the systems integrator wow very well said 
I think from my, my viewpoint, um, I would like to see more expansion of robotics and the accelerated path of drone delivery, which is a topic for another day, as I know you have a very strong opinion on that. So can't wait to get into that conversation. Um, let's wrap things up here a little bit and talk about some of the takeaways. What, uh, what, are, what are a couple of takeaways you have from Mertech 2022? I, I really picked up from talking to a lot of the suppliers a renewed sense of optimism for 2022 and beyond. Uh, they all came out of the, uh, the pandemic, um, I would say, with the right philosophy that was we did what we needed to do during the, during the COVID time. Um, we're getting back to business. We're getting back to our roadmaps. And there are really major distinctions with the major POS and back office and video surveillance and KDS and, and they all vendors, and they all seem to be getting back to, to that. Um, I would really like to see the operators um, reward the supplier community for their investments that they've made. And rewarding means, you know, signing on and, and using their technologies. Uh, as you know, as, as Constrata, we are major proponents of buy versus build. Uh, there are very few circumstances that I can think of in my 30 plus year career where where a, an operator has to develop a technology that doesn't exist in the marketplace. So reward the vendors for the investments that they've made to date and that they will make going forward. Um, partner with them on these on these solutions make sure that the operators uh, make sure that the suppliers understand the value of what they're doing and where they're going um and and stay connected because i think there's a renewed sense of optimism um as we know certain things will improve uh, they may not improve in the next 30 60 90 days but um the, the, the technology industry is a long play and we need to uh, we need to look at it accordingly and i think Looking back on it, you know, conferences are definitely back with a vengeance. I think we're going to see great participation um, this next year in upcoming conferences. I think we will continue to see acquisitions and consolidations. I think we will continue to see more innovation to drive efficiencies and profitability. I think that is top on the operators' minds. As it, I mean, it always has been, but I think there's more emphasis on it now, especially with the cost of cost of goods and cost of labor, etc. And I think the next year will be very active with new technology based on back of house improvements and digital efficiencies. I saw awful lot of uh, video companies out there with some pretty cool technologies. And this goes back to the AI conversation that we'll eventually have on the show where, you know, that is going to help improve uh, the features and functionalities and be able to provide excellent data, amazing data to operators that they probably never had before. Yeah, and Skip, you know, the other thing is, it, you mentioned it, and I'm glad you, you did, is that for years we focused on the revenue side of the equation, and POS was sexy, and labor was sexy, and online apps were sexy. I would argue back office has gotten sexy again, because now we've got cost cost components that we really need to pay attention to. It's it's great to grow the top line, but if your inventory costs are out of control and your labor costs are out of control, um, you can eat up those those margins very, very quickly. So uh, I would argue that things as block and tackle, as inventory and stock takes and substitutions and pricing um, and, and and vendor guides and labor schedules and and shifting and 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 you know maximizing my my labor is sexy again. So kudos to the back office guys. Uh, you guys are in, uh, you guys are back in the, in the spotlight. Toby, thank you for jumping on the show here today. I look forward to having you more on the show. Um, just a little, uh, note to all of our listeners, Toby and I, now that we're 
cohorts together, we are going to uh, start expanding um, some of the topics and really digging into some of the details and having great conversations and bringing on guests that are industry experts around some of the topics we'll be, we'll be having on the show. Obviously, your insight is priceless and you are a huge asset to the show. So once again, thank you, Toby. And as Skip will tell you, we're not always going to agree, which is going to make for some very interesting conversation. Oh, yes, it will. So as I alluded to in the chat with Toby, we will be changing the format a bit as this show progresses forward. He will become more of a regular as it makes for a great combination of mindsets on different subjects. We have very different opinions on many subjects, so it will make for some great discussion and opportunity to have some fun here on the show. If you'd like to reach out to me or the show, you can do so via everything social at Skip Kimple or at Kinstrata. This includes Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can always go to skipkimple.com for all the archived shows previous to this one. Uh, the show notes will be posted there as well. And you can also hear all these new episodes on the Constrata website at constrata.io. And of course, you can always email me your questions at skip.kimple at constrata.io. Well, that's a wrap for today. Given my new job, I will be on the road quite a bit this year, and I will have the opportunity to be face-to-face -face with some amazing thought leaders. April 3rd, 4th, and 5th, I will be at the New England Food Expo in Boston, followed by Restaurant Leadership Conference in Arizona. Lots of content for the show is coming your way, as you can tell. If you will be attending any of the major shows this year, let me know, as I will be traveling with my portable studio, and I would love to have you on the show. All you have to do is reach out to me and set something up. Next Tuesday, it is my honor and privilege to have Sherry Landry, the Chief Marketing Officer for CEC Entertainment on the show. You best know CEC from one of their brands, Chuck E. Cheese, but have also launched several successful virtual brands in recent times. We will talk about all of that, plus useful tools and services that can turn your marketing department into a powerhouse of information and success. Well, having said that, I better start packing my bags. So until next Tuesday, stay safe. Stay healthy and stay hungry, my friends. <laughs>